0: EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share, and collaborate. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are today. And Dan is uh, out doing uh, emergency management stuff. So uh, he will not join us today, but that's okay. We uh, have a friend of mine uh, from, well, back when I was at the city, of New York, when I lived over there, and uh, Henry. Uh, ran for city council. That's when I met him. And he's an awesome dude, but now he's running uh, for a higher office, if you will. So I thought, Hey, you know what, Henry, you know what, we're going to bring you on board and talk about what it is for uh, what elected officials need to know and what their role is in emergency management. Because one of the things that we've, we've lost, or I should say lost sometimes uh, is that, you know, when you start taking the executives um, for your city, What is their role? What is their responsibility? And at the end of the day, all disasters become political and politicians, you know, city council members, city managers, uh, mayors uh, may lose their job uh, due to poor response and, and recovery. So, Henry, welcome to the show. Hey, Todd.
1: It's good to see you, brother. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I forgot to tell everybody, Henry Ashley is also a uh, a Marine, well, and a JAG officer. So uh, he has uh, great credentials coming in to, to lead a, as well. Thank you. I, re- I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, absolutely. Henry, you know, I wrote a piece. It's, it's live today on the EM Network, uh, Emergency Management Network uh, 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 newsletter, and I wrote it on trust. And I've seen like over the last probably 10 15 years maybe a little bit more uh, we've seen this uh um, this erosion of trust of that people have uh, for government for government officials you know I, I guess the term politicians always kind of had a, a, a bad name to it but um you know I guess in some cases for for good reason right you know uh, and and we've always been trying I think as a nation here in the United States to make um to make pol- to make politics less Dirty, for lack of a better term when you think about the progressive era in the 1900s you know um, and that aspect of things you know why, why did you get into into politics and and what makes you you know drive you and, and whatnot?
1: How much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> you know for me, public service is in, in you know my DNA, professionally. I went to a Jesuit university at Loyola Marymount. And I think that's part of part of the tradition there is um, faith through service. And so I, I think you know, that and my experience in the Marine Corps was formative uh, insofar as, ser- you know, serving your country uh, in a way you know, provides, you, makes you deepens your ties and your commitment to your country. And so for me, it was natural when I got out to participate in community community service and local government and local government has a way of hooking you in. Uh, it really does. Uh, it's the gateway drug. <laughs> <a> gateway drug. <laughs> um, but to your question on trust, I've really grappled with that issue because, um, as a as a leader, um, you want to bring people together. You know, as a, you want to bring them together toward a shared goal, shared mission. As a politician, you know, you need to bring people together, but sometimes you have to take actions that divide people. And put people in different camps. Particularly in this day and age, people are voters are already uh, pretty uh, pretty inclined to fall into different, you know, different tribes. Um, And so, for me, part of it is just being authentic and being willing to accept mistakes uh, when I make them. You know, I think a lot of a lot of elected officials want to be act like they're perfect <laughs> and it's hard to trust somebody when they don't tell you what they're down what their problems are you know when they don't tell you what their their limitations are and i'm pretty frank about the things that i'm not great at and that i'm working on improving um, and i hope people acknowledge that and see me as somebody who isn't just trying to You know, make them believe that I am better than I am.
0: Wow, that's 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 you're being vulnerable right there is is critical. I think you know it's hard
1: though because you know if you show the least amount of vulnerability, (coughs) people jump on want to jump on you. And but I think you just need confidence to to be vulnerable and honest about your strengths and your weaknesses. And that's sort of just. I'm just willing to, to talk about that more than I think most people, but yeah.
0: You know, one of the things in my paper, I, I talked about transparency and, and how we as emergency managers need to be more transparent and, you know, it's public officials. We need to be more transparent. And then um, I think, I think our cities and our and our government needs to be more transparent. And I, 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 I kind of talk, I talk about Boston a little bit with their, um, their app they have and I don't know what it's called but I'm gonna I'm gonna call it the pothole app if you're Boston I'm sorry if it's not what it's called but you know it's actually Public Works right if you see something uh, whether it's graffiti or a pothole or whatever a person has the ability to take a picture of it send it to Public Works then they get to the track to see when it's been fixed and so it holds accountability and I think that's one of the things that we um, as as government officials sometimes um, we don't allow or perceived at least allow um, to be held accountable uh, by the public that we serve. I think sometimes people forget that when they get into public service, right, they forget that service part of it. And I, I think that's something that you have not forgotten um, over the years now, the, the service part of it. What makes you, and and I, I think I'm going to, I'm doing a value judgment right now on you a little bit because uh, we haven't really talked this deep about it, but I feel that you're more of a, um, you know, a, a, servant leadership It seems to be more of your style than a top-down uh, control leadership. Am I correct in that assumption?
1: I think you have to be willing to adapt your leadership style to the situation. I think sometimes a more, you know, top-down authoritarian style can be appropriate in certain situations. Um, in other, you know, like as a local city council member, I'm just one of five votes. So in that in that situation, you know, where we have like we have a strong staff, a good tradition of, you know, transparent and honest, you know, city governance. Um, you know, it's more of it, it's more yeah, like you said, it's more decentralized, service servant based. I find myself prodding staffers to be more willing to be forthright about the city's problems. You know, I'm like, we can't fix this problem if we don't talk about it or if you're trying to make it seem like we're, we're perfect or we haven't made any mistakes. Like I'd rather just find out about it now and have a, you know, a, I remember in the Marine Corps, they used to have this phrase. Um, we're not like a zero mistake tolerance. God, I can't remember what they, they used to say it all the time, but, um, You know, just the idea that that we can accept that we have that we make mistakes. Although it wasn't really that true in the Marine Corps, but but they would say it a lot.
0: That's true. Yeah. We're we allow you to make mistakes until you make a mistake and then man, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna learn about that. that. (laughs) You know, I mean speaking of that, I mean you you live and you, you serve a city that um is prone to, to to disasters. I mean, the 1987 Whittier Narrows earthquake. We're just talking about that uh, before we got on, on the air here with the home that you just purchased. Um, the the fires up in the hills. We have uh, the potential oil spills. There's things that happen um, in the city. Um, what what is your role, or what do you see your role as an elected official um, in in helping prepare for and respond to uh, disasters within your city, your, your jurisdiction?
1: Oh, wow. That's a a great question. Um, You know, let me try to unpack that. So, you know, uh, an ounce of preparation is worth a pound of pain, (laughs) I think is the phrase. Definitely the council's role is much more front loaded in identifying and reacting to problems before they come about. So for us, we're a city that has our own in-house police department and we uh, um, contract out fire services with um, our LA County fire department. So, and then, you know, the areas of the city that are more um, wooded, more, you know, um, our, our habitat, which we share management of that with the plenty Hills um, habitat authority. So a lot of it is sort of like fighting to make sure we have, you know, the best equipped funded appropriately funded, resources ahead of time and that we're thinking about potential issues before they come about. So like here, fireworks are a really big issue. Um, People for some reason think it's a great idea to anytime the rams win (laughs) to roll up to the habitat and start lighting off firecrackers, um, you know, and so that's a constant issue that we're communicating about. Um, We also, you know, really think about you know, like some emer- a lot of emergencies are, you know, acts of God, but also there can be man-made <laughs> emergencies from, um, you know, protests to uh, civil unrest. And, you know, we've experienced that um, in my term and just figuring out how to de-escalate situations that could form a threat to human life. But a lot of it, like, is just once it, once something starts to go down, it's like getting out of the way too <laughs> like i like i spent a lot of time in this in operations center as a judge advocate advising marine infantry commanders and you have to you got to kind of learn when there's like when there's an emergency situation happening who's in charge are you let are you letting them do their job um while also staying informed and then you mentioned something about um you know, like how every emergency is a political becomes political. I thought you something like that. I thought that was yeah. really interesting. And I think it's incumbent on the elected officials to stay unified with each other. It, you know, it's, it's it is it is tempting to, if you're in the minority of a political, you know, on a, on a political body to take advantage of a situation for your political interests. And it's really important when during good times to have a good faith, solid relationship that, with each other as electeds that goes beyond, you know, zero sum politics. Um, you know, just an acknowledgement that you know they're gonna, there's going to be fair play. There's not going to be a heaping on um, that type of thing.
0: Right. No, I I think that's critical too. You know, my, my politics are a little bit different than most, right. I'm, I'm very, I I don't belong to any party. Um, I'm, I'm very classical liberal. If you want to take a look at that. I mean, I, 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 I really subscribe to a lot of what John Locke has written in the past and some other thinkers along those lines. Um, but that, that being said, I, I think it's, I think it is important that we take a look at as a body come together uh, when we have a crisis and and not divide. And it seems sometimes that we see um, in other areas and I haven't seen it really here in California uh, during a crisis where um, the political leaders come together to try to divide even more. And and I think that's a shameful one aspect of it, but um, you know, you know, I know, I know that you're running for, for a higher office, um, you know, moving from you know out of the city to the state level, uh, you know what what experience are you going to bring at the state level that you learned um, at the local level, especially specifically when it comes to uh, now a, a larger, vast area of uh, potential disaster areas, and what what do you see your role as a, a state elected official if you get if you get that post?
1: That's that's a great question. It, it's a little bit, it's definitely different, primarily because of the scope. You know, the the state of California is a behemoth. Um, Right now, it's, you know, I'm a five person body governing a city of about 85,000 people, about 15 square miles. Um, You know, state of California is comprised of hundreds of cities and, you know, trillion dollar economy. And also the legislature that I would be in, the legislative body would be forty individuals so it poses different challenges and there's also a lot of special interests involved who have competing you know competing objectives um i mean i'm really focused on the climate and also you know fire um utilities you know those are those are all you know areas that pose potential challenges fire i think is Probably one of the most complicated (laughs) issues that the state of california faces and it's it's also a climate challenge and there's no real easy answers there's no like a lot of it is if we have enough had enough money we would do certain things you know like we would underground all we would potentially underground all um you know electric utilities right but I mean that is a really really expensive task it also potentially creates problems of access in terms of maintenance <laughs> you know it's a, it's a huge commitment um you know there's a how, how do you how do you attack that problem i think for me it's i have a an analytical mind i have i'm somebody who has a law degree and a business degree as well and the devil's really in the details you need people up there who are both willing to get into the details and also have the courage to stand up and fight you know for issues that are like the, the toughest issues are the ones that are boring to the average resident and voter but like a keen financial interest to a niche set of uh, market actors and because like people don't care you're never going to get an attaboy you know you're never going to get re-elected or bumped up to the next level for fighting the good fight there but You can get a juicy reward from you know um you know uh from private actors who are happy to share the the wealth with you in the form of campaign donations so um (laughs) (laughs) so just like independence believe it or not is a real asset when it comes to serving the public it's why i fought really hard to um you know keep you know have a grassroots donor base and why I've run against two incumbents now because by, by definition, um, the establishment doesn't support you. And so when you win, the establishment can't really expect much from you.
0: Right. I think that's important too. I think, I think you're absolutely right. You know, we, we do, well, let me rewind a little bit here for a second. One of the problems that we've seen across the board when it comes into politicians, even, you know, today we hear a lot, right? We just had an issue where uh, members of Congress are making a lot of money uh, with insider trading, but it's not illegal for them to insider trading. And it's just interesting to see that we're, we're seeing the development of of two classes of people, right? We have the elected official class that allow to do things that they get away with. And then you have those that are, are not elected officials that get in trouble for doing the same thing. And um and I think a lot of it has to do with, with money coming into into politics. And I don't know, you know, this is not what we're here to talk about today, but I don't think that there's an answer uh, to, to remove to remove that, uh, from the equation at this point, but I know what you're doing is, is, uh, very noble and and you're, I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna do well here. Um, how, 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 you know, kind of, kind of going forth and, and keeping it with the, the, the theme of emergency management specifically, sure. you know, um, When when you're at the local government, it makes sense, right? You you lean on your your police chief, you lean on your fire chief or or administration, say, okay, this is what we need to get done. And then, you know, I guess you open the door when the disasters are going on and say, What can I do to help you? Because my my joke with with my students, you know, it is a joke, everybody, don't get upset. I'm, you know, it's like when you have a disaster, if, if you can find a room for the city council, you can lock them in to keep them out of your way because, you know, they, 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 they kind of, Oh, okay. Get it. You know, they're, they're like the little pets, the little child, like, Hey, whatever you're doing, you know you know, kind of pulling on your shirt string your, your uh-huh. shirt tails, but it's not, I'm just joking. It's not, they're not, they really have an important role um, in, in the disaster or in the response. Um, you know, What what do you see, like, again, when we're looking at the state, state role, um, I guess during a disaster, it's a little bit different, but afterwards, what kind of things can you do at the state level to open up resources uh, for the the people that are affected by or impacted by the disaster? What, what can you do at that level?
1: So in in the state legislature, it's a little, it's a little bit different in so far as you don't have a huge amount of discretionary funds where like a county supervisor has this really big pot of money where they can you know dole out without getting a, a resolution so they have they're more nimble um as is a city council to a lesser degree um you know because they still have to meet pursuant to the brown act provide um, ample um <clears throat> You know, ample time in advance for the public to participate. You know, but it's five people, three people to get together. Boom. You know, set up a time to do an emergency resolution, and to um, and to and to, to issue money. You know, for whatever might need to to go. You know, let's say materials, um, overtime. You know, we have like a standing overtime. Uh, resolution for for those who are responding to to an emergency to make sure they're getting getting paid adequately. You know, for me, like as a state legislator, potentially one. I think it's all about learn. You know, it's always incredible to me how we fail to learn the lessons of our mistakes over and over. <laughs> um, and and in the Marine Corps, they used to say, you know, don't fight yesterday's war fight tomorrow's war yeah. you know, fight the next war um or prepare for it rather and so I think like you know we really need to think for example like we don't think about the pandemic as an emergency because it's like long uh, it's ongoing and it's long running but um but we've learned a lot about or we should have learned a lot about what what happens when I mean I mean Think about it like it it resembles a lot of an emergency people are out of work you know they're unable to you know move about as they normally would especially at the beginning um and they lean a lot on government services and messaging and we made like in a way government responded quickly but then became pretty quickly divided about what to do next Mm. um you know and at least at the state we made you know we it's a great example of what happens when you don't pay attention to something that's like not that sexy. And I'm talking about the, uh, our unemployment benefits. Um, you know, that we were using such a archaic legacy system that people struggle, people who deserved it, deserved unemployment benefits, struggled to get it. And, um, fraudsters benefited tremendously to the tune of billions of dollars. Right. Um, that's money that could, be redirected could have been redirected to go to um you know combat fires to you know prepare our infrastructure for an, an earthquake um you know or to 100 different areas that you know that got sucked into you know just thrown into the ether um so they issue these enormous reports you know somebody's got to read them and do something about them and for me as a mil as a former military. Uh, person, I one of the things that I always say is, um, you know, it's always possible for things to get worse, (laughs) you know, and there's and and while I try to be an optimist, there is a pessimist in me, um, you know, that's like, you know, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And I think that's the attitude you have to go in with, you know, what like having experienced worst case scenarios in, in combat and in other, you know, and you know in 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 government um there's a tendency to just like breathe easy oh we got through this one instead of focusing on how we can prepare for you know and harden ourselves as a target for the next emergency
0: yeah on the pandemic thing it kind of drives me crazy when you have Politicians and people stepping up up in front and said, "Oh, you know, we we weren't prepared for this. We never even knew this could occur. Uh, you know, things like this." And and those of us in emergency management and public health are, are like, "No, no, no, no. We we had a pandemic plan in, in place. Like we we knew." this was going to happen and that you know some of the steps that occurred you know now you know was it covid that we were planning for oh no because we didn't have a name for it you know we called a pan flu for most part but you know i just find it interesting that there's people that said oh we weren't ever ready for it which which we were and uh, the but i'm going to take the blame here on emergency managers because i don't think we did a good enough job reaching out to our elected officials because there's a you know a lot of times a rotation, right. You know, a person's there for four or five years, they move on a mm-hmm. uh, new person comes in and you have to retrain them. You know, are, are we doing a good enough job to, to reach out to elected officials to really uh, teach them and have them understand what we do as emergency managers, you know, what we do, what, what their role is as emergency in, during, during the crisis. Uh, because they, like I said, they, everybody, everybody has a role. Um, And, you know, realistically, the elected official uh, has has a network of people that they that they deal with on a regular basis, whether it's their uh, people who are are wanting to vote for them or people who 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 want stuff from them, you know, things like that. So they do have that ability to to reach.
1: Um, I think my advice for emergency managers who want to um, want to have a better impact. Through and with elected officials, is to turn the table around, and you know, think about what the 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 challenge is for the person who's in the seat as a politician. You have competing demands. Um, you you have a short amount of time to to get them done in, and your constituents um, oftentimes are more interested in um, social issues. You know that that don't really necessarily have a direct nexus on, uh, with, um, you know, emergency issues, but you can be, it's easy to get focused on basically everything, but the, you know, potential emergencies. And so I would just say, you know, try to find a way to communicate how elected officials can benefit, um, like, like how, how they can, how, how you can turn a potentially dry subject into something that that person can feel good about accomplishing, you know, it, people tend to not want to think about the negative. Right. So if you say, Hey, if you don't do this, I mean, we've all seen, for, you know, uh 4th of July What was that movie with
0: Will Smith. Oh, Independence <laughs> uh, Day.
1: Independence Day. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: of July.
1: Um, I've seen Independence Day. Nobody listens to the like, you know, scientists who's, Run around, uh, you know, like uh, talking about the sky falling. People want to know, okay, how can I, How can this be a positive thing that's going to make constituents feel good about it and help me get reelected? I- I'm not saying me like this is an issue for for me. I I get it, but in terms of other politicians who might not immediately be excited to focus on these issues, you know, find a way to turn it around where they can you know, portray that as a, as a short-term win.
0: Yeah. you bring, That's a good point now, Henry. You know, I'm thinking about this, like all the disaster movies that are out there. It's always like this, like this one scientist person or whatever even like the movie jaws where the, the the mayor's like you need to open the beaches this is people need to be swimming you know the sharks eating people you know i mean like it's always it's always the guy who's like very cautious and hey we need to save lives and, and there's always some politician who's over there going like ah you know this is gonna ruin a bottom line and you know we need the votes. you know so there's a good
1: book called um our iceberg is melting that talks about this and it's called it's like a Organizational management book about changing a or a culture to respond to a um, potential business catastrophe, but it could just as easily be applied to the emergency um, context where there's. It's really a, a multi-step process that involves different types of people and recognizing what kind of person are you in this process, and how. And if you're not the person that can take it all away. Who are the other people you need, and what's the messaging you need to adopt to get action to to be accomplished? Because uh, for the emergency manager, it's not enough just to, um, you know, say, "Well, I told the right people, whatever they did with it, that's their problem." You know, I can feel good at night when the disaster happens. Like, you know, you have to take the responsibility to, um, you know, alert the right people, but alert them in a way that's likely to uh, have an action action taken upon it um yeah for sure
0: that i like that Henry. That, that that is a uh, that's profound as emergency managers not only do we have to tell our city council we have to take ownership of that and and really drive that home and say hey look at this is what it is i alerted you this is what's going on and action needs to be taken and and go you know like, like the uh, the old saying is don't don't come to me with a problem come to me with a solution
1: Right. You know that's true. I have this fight with my wife all the time. She says, Well, I told you. And I'm like, obviously you didn't tell me in a way that I would remember.
0: <laughs> I I I am not saying that to my wife, Henry. I <laughs> but it's probably true. I'm not saying this is effective. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh I would I would I still want to stay alive. That's my my, my point. Oh man. Well, you know what? I mean, it's been a great conversation, and I think it's something that we need to do more often. You know, I think one of the things that that as an emergency manager sometimes we're afraid to do is, is have that conversation with the elected officials. Um, I, I think we have this. Uh, there's a, a buffer between us, um, the, us the emergency manager practitioner at a city, um, and the elected official, um, and I think there needs to be more uh, open dialogue between both and transparency. So when a disaster does occur, our elected officials do understand what's going on, understand their role, and and are able to have a voice um, out there. Because, like I said at the beginning, um, people lose elected officials um, lose their jobs um, after disasters because they are seen as being ineffective during that time. And I think it's unfair to us to uh, uh, us, I say, uh, unfair for for us as emergency managers, not to um, give them the tools that they could do to actually make a better impact uh, during the time of a crisis. Anyway, well, last word. What would you like to say to all the emergency managers um, out there in the world right now?
1: Vote for me now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you're in my district, vote for me. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> no, no, just kidding. Uh, well, just mainly that I, I appreciate the work you do. It's often in the shadows, in the worst, most claustrophobic office um, (laughs) of the the emergency operations center or the police building or, you know, the community rec center. And you don't, you know, I know you don't get the accolades all the time, but your work is important. It can save lives and, you know, continue to improve and get better every day because um, lives are depending on it.
0: Henry, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Todd, thanks for having me. You're the man.
0: (laughs) Everybody, thank you so much for spending time with us today. And uh, please follow us on your favorite uh, podcast player. And until next week, stay safe and stay hydrated.